0: Just yesterday, I got a phone call and said we got furniture, we got a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with it. So um, that that's something. If you have a little space until the the yard sale, we'll put it in your uh, we'll put it in your garage, your little storage unit until then, and then we'll get it out of there forever. And see, what's really good about that is what we actually really do is we put it in there and then we make you give us a donation to pick it up. Okay. Otherwise, you're stuck with it. <laughs> um, so, but that, that is something, and, and like, who has extra space, right? I know, it's one of those one of those things, years ago I was talking to somebody who, who did storage units um, and for a living. I mean, they, they built storage units, and they were extremely wealthy, extremely, like millionaire wealthy. And they said, um, storage is all, in the United States is always a good, a good deal. If the economy is good people are buying new stuff and putting their old stuff into storage if the economy is bad people are downsizing and putting their stuff into storage and they said there never is a bad time in the economy for storage and we were all like yeah I always have more stuff than I need um, I've, I've been encouraged a little bit by by Autumn Washburn who's visiting this morning good to see you she went through 30 days 30 bags and 30 days of, of down 40 bags and 40 days Every day, getting rid of a bag of stuff. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that? That's right. That's right. Bring, put it in the, in, the, in the yard sale, and let's raise some money for the youths. The youths. Amen. We are still in the book of Genesis. Genesis. We are on the journey. We are on the journey. Uh, update. We are... Things are also for the church going going in our transition of, of the new name to the journey church We've been uh, we're looking at logos. We've got a logo designer And we've we're narrowing things down and, and so all those things are good because the church here is on a journey And we are uh, we're individually on a journey each of us on a faith journey the church is on a journey um, To grow in Christ likeness and be a better witness uh, in the community so that other people can see the goodness of God through our lives and through this place. But we are talking about Abraham and his journey this week, as we did last week. And, and who remember, who's, who has been waiting just all week for what I was going to talk about Lot with, okay? There's two or three of you, right? And for some of you, it's going to be like, oh, I already knew that. But but I had never put the pieces together. We are going to talk a little bit about Lot in the process this morning. Um, and even though we've already covered a little bit of t- uh, space after this, I'm going to go back to chapter 12. And we're actually going to go through um, quickly chapter tw- 12, 13, and 14 and talk about some of these parts of Abraham's journey and where a lot comes into that so we're gonna pray for the word today amen I'm gonna Simon's on the front row he'll never sit there again and ask him to pray for the word right now yeah just pray for the word amen amen I love putting people on the spot but thank you it's a man of God all right so so Genesis chapter twelve, so again we've gone through all the patri we 've gone through the beginning patriarchs all the way through noah we 've already talked about the Tower of Babel, which um, if, if you' again if you're looking at a map, um, uh, Abraham is going to come out of Ur with his father and all of his father's household, and they're going to go up to Haran, which is up here, passing right through a little place that 's called Babylon, and Babylon is where the Tower of Babel was, and so These are um, areas that are, even though this is where the patriarch Tara um, and Abraham were living, these now are places of foreign gods and foreign worship, which is amazing that the God of the universe creates mankind, and the immediate descendants in just a few generations begin to wander away from that God and come up with their own belief systems and their own religions is that just does that just boggle the mind we see it today we see it in just a small amount of time how even Christianity how the Christianity that maybe your father's practiced or or maybe when you were young has changed I'm not saying it's it's totally different but it's changed in fact the way we're all dressed today could have never happened 40 years ago amen you know, it's like, oh, my goodness, you had to have your tie. and your, Is that a huge? That's not a huge change. But, yes, things change along the way and in generations. So we've got Abraham and his, his father and all of his household living in Ur. And in Chapter 11, even though I said to go to Chapter 12, it's interesting because it says, uh, let me go to 27. 27. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot. So that's where Lot's coming from, right? He's, he's the nephew of Abram. Haran died before his father Terah in his native land, his son, in Ur of the Chaldeans. Then Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife, Milka, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milca, and the father, Isca. Um, but Sarai was buried. She had no child. And Terah took his son, Abram, and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife. And they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran, and they dwelt there. So we've all known that Abraham left Ur and went to um, the promised land that God was promising him, which was Can- which was called Canaan on your, on your map, which becomes the land of, of Israel. But what we we maybe didn't all know is that it started with his father. He was leaving to go, and he didn't make it, and he stopped in Haran, and and we don't know how long they were de- uh, they lived there before Terah died. But this is this is they were actually on the way, and so in in chapter 12, um, the Lord says to Abram, "Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house." to a land that i will show, show you i will make you a great nation i will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing i will bless those who bless you and i will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed so abram departed as the lord had spoken to him and lot went with him we've all read that we know the story so Abraham is actually fulfilling what God said, but I think his father already had in his heart that he would go back to the land of Canaan, and Abram needed some prompting. But now Abram's the spiritual leader of the family. He's not a young pup. He's 75 years old at this time, and he's going to obey God, right? We know that man, Abram was a man of faith, and he's going to obey God exactly the way God said. And what did God tell him? Get out of your country from your family, uh oh. Lot is his family. He was not supposed to take Lot with him. He was supposed to leave his father's household and his family and go to land. Now, we don't see a lot about this. In fact, I've never heard this until I began to read. It. And then I, as I started reading and studying, other people smarter than me picked it up too. But Abram's first. First, uh, infidelity to the word was that he actually took Lot with him. And as we know the story of Lot, we find that he causes Abram some problems over the next number of years. All the way, we we're thinking, you know, he has to rescue him. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning from when he gets, when he gets kidnapped. He gets to rescue him. And then later on, what, after Sodom and Gomorrah gets destroyed, which we're not there yet either, but we'll talk a little bit about that this morning, Lot's running away from that, right? And, and his wife turns back and turns to a pillar of salt. He flees to a little, little a village called, called Zoar, which we'll, we'll hear a little bit about that. And then afterwards goes to the mountains to live, and his wonderful daughters... And the wonderful father, Lot, had this, uh, well, Lot doesn't have the. the daughters have a great idea. Hey, there's no guys around, and we're, da- we're, you know, we're, we're women without any husbands. Let's sleep with dad and have babies. And so Lot's two girls, one at a time, get Lot drunk. And sleep with him, and the Bible says Lot doesn't even know that this happens, so he is innocent of that side of it. They each sleep with him one one night, one the next, and they both get pregnant, and they have children. And those children become the Moabites and the Ammonites. Isn't they crazy? So, so Abram brings Lot with him, has to rescue him. Some things happen. God, every time, though, as we read it, you're going to see the redemption of God. All the way through where Lot ends up in the mountains. His daughters uh, make him father the baby. And they have, they have two people that come to be other generations that come against Israel. And yet, this is a whole other man. I'm just going to go there just to really pique your interest in this. The, Moab- the, the Moabites. Something God uses from the Moabites, which is amazing. Ruth is a Moabitess. Ruth is the great-grandmother of King David. You see God's redemption always. You've got to read the Bible carefully to see God's redemption every time. We cannot, church, we cannot mess things up so much for God that he can't fix it. That we need to be encouraged in that. And that would be one of the lessons we learned, that no matter what, we're going to see some some problems with Abraham, that he, he's not always faithful. He's leaning towards faith. He doesn't have perfect faith. But every time there's a mistake, God will bring something out of it, and he'll, he'll bring redemption, and he will restore us. So, so Abram is called by God to go into the land. And so Abram departs from the land, and he, st- and he goes down. He takes his wife and Lot and, and all they have. Um, uh, We don't know if there's anyone else from his father's household or not um, For sure, but we we know he's going through and he goes down towards Canaan and he lands In verse 6 says Abram passed through the land of the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Morah um, And the Canaanites were there in the land and the Lord appeared to Abram and said Okay, so before God talks to him, so Abram's Abraham's moving, and now his whole journey at this point is, is going to be about 1,500 miles, but he's probably gone another 600 miles in a straight line, which he probably didn't get to go straight, from up here for you guys, Haran, down to Canaan. 600 miles, okay? His car didn't go very fast, so it took him a long time. <laughs> okay? We, we, that, I, and I write, so, huh. wait, so, yeah, what, he walked and had a donkey. Okay, so uh, the, any one of us, a five-mile walk in a day, like, oh, that's pretty good. You know, how many steps you got? Who, how many have you on your phone? If I turn this off in case I get another phone call. Um, it says how many steps you've taken. 10,000 steps or so. That's a couple of miles. Sorry. After last week, I'm just afraid somebody's going to call me. By the way, that was, a, that was the bank that called me last night. Somebody stole my credit card and was uh, stealing money from my account. Actually, they just skimmed the number, so be careful. I don't know where they got the number. I still have my card. Um, and so um, the stepometer, right, five miles would be a great day. If you go on a major hike, I don't think Evan's here this morning who, who hikes a lot. If you're going to go on a, a big, big hike, Mickey would know, uh, Pacific Crest Trail thing, 20 miles is like the max, right, in a day. 20 miles is, is a, you know, you could probably do more, but that's a really good distance to go. 600 miles walking, donkeying. Okay, no roads, no paths. Very, very well. We're probably some paths. So Abram goes down. He, he comes to Shechem. And, and what, what does it say? And the Canaanites were there in the land. Oh, Abram's like, okay, God's bringing us to a land. He's going to give it to us. And, and they, they tell us that the Canaanites were to let, let us know. It's not going to be easy. There's people here already. Wait, God, I thought you were going to give me a land. Now there's all these people. What am I going to do with the people? And so the Lord says to him, he appears to Abraham and says, To your descendants I will give this land. And there Abraham built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. We find that Abraham is building altars. He's going to build four altars at different different times throughout this next number of chapters. And this is the first altar he he, he builds. And it's an altar is representative of 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 worship of God it was it was to bring either a, a sacrifice and worship to God so abram t- takes this moment to he hears from God and he says well my descendants are going to get this land which there's some problems here cuz he has none he has no descendants yet My descendants are going to get this land. Oh, and he's 76 probably now because I'm sure it took a year or so, 600 miles. Anyway, so it took him a while to get here. Two-year descendants are going to get this land. So Abram builds an altar, makes a sacrifice, and he worships God. One of the things we want to learn from this is that when God is moving in your life, when God leads you to something, when God does something to you, take the moment to worship him and not just keep moving on with your life. You get the new job. Give God some worship. Give him some praise. Take the time. In in, in fact, one of the things that Abraham does is he sacrifices. Worship sometimes involves sacrifice. But we're going to learn from Abram that one of the things that we we do is to worship God, to sacrifice to God, to give him something even that costs us, which is ourselves, and to lift him up and to say, God, I can't do this. The other part is I can't do this on my own. I'm building an altar here because I can't do it. I need you. I'm going to worship you because you're the one who's going to make this thing happen. Now, on our, on our map for you guys, is so, so Canaan's going to be over here, and then Egypt is going to be down over here, and the promised land really would extend like from here, just, just south of where, where Abraham is, Abram up this way and this would be the land that he would give him so he's there he's cruising around the land and it says that there's a famine in the land and so Abraham does something again we missed it We, we miss it there's a famine in the land but God has promised him this land and so what does he do? he leaves it He left the promised land because of fear and his maybe, on this moment, maybe, I don't want to accuse him too bad. When I get there, maybe he's going to thunk me on the head and say, that's not why I left. But but I'm saying, is it possible that he didn't have enough faith to trust in God to provide for him? I'm not positive, but so he goes to Egypt, and we covered this last week a little bit, the big thing that happens in Egypt that we see is that he makes his wife lie and tell him he's his sister, the Pharaoh takes his wife, and, and that's a bad thing, and so he comes back up out of Egypt, back to the Negev. Now, let me, so we're, we're past chapter, uh, verse 10 here, and, uh, you go know, okay, uh, chapter 13, so, so that all happened. So Abram, you know, maybe it's at lack of faith, or maybe God let him down there, I'm not sure, but he doesn't do well in Egypt. He's, he's not relying on God. He's, he's, he's fearful. We talked about that. And so he, he has to leave, quickly, um, Egypt to come back. It says, Abram went up from Egypt, and his wife and all that he had, oh, guess who's with him? Lot. Lot. Okay, and, the, and, and they went to the south. If you've got the King James, New King James Version, the, the Bible says the south. It, most of the other versions says the Negev because the word Negev can mean south, but it's also a place. And so we believe he actually went north, not south, because he's in Egypt. He had to go north. He goes north, and he ends up in this area called the Negev. Um, which is to, to this day it's very barren but we believe in this time was actually um, much more fruitful um, because this was before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed and we believe that there was an even more fertile fertile area in this area and that when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah he said he destroyed all the vegetation and that was when it actually turned even more into a desert that's for another time go look it up it's kind of fun check this out he was rich in livestock in silver and in gold and he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. Um, in another version, it says, and he wandered, and he wandered. So he went to Egypt. He he, he left the, the will, the immediate will of God, and he, and he lost fellowship with him, in, in a sense. And he comes up out of Egypt, and before he goes back to Bethel and Ai, in the originals, it says that he wandered place to place. Wandered place to place. And that's what we do, church, when we, when we walk away from God. We don't always immediately go back. We wander. We wander. But we don't know how long he was wandering before he got it right. And he says he went back to the place that he first pitched his tent, that he built the altar. He went back to that place which he had made there at first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. So what we see is that that Abram goes out of the will of God. He does some things that are displeasing out of the plan, and he comes up and he wanders for a while, which is what we sometimes do, but he says, no, I'm going to go back to what I know God talked to me. I'm going to return to the place of worship and sacrifice, and there when he gets there, what does it say? That he called on the name of God. We, have, we learn from Abraham's journeys that when we do wander, when things happen, that we need to return back to the place of worship, return back to the things that God first spoke to us, and there we need to call on the name of God. We need to repent if repenting is necessary. We need to invite him back into every area of our life, and we're learning from Abraham's journey that he never wandered far. He never lost faith long before he was coming right back. I I mentioned a week or two ago that he was always failing toward faith. He didn't have perfect faith. He failed but he always failed toward faith. That's what we want to be because there's going to be times in in life that we fail but we want to fail toward faith. We want to fail toward God that when we do fail we start running back to him and we return to the place of worship. To return to the place that he called us originally and so this is this is a, just such a, a a neat picture where he comes and he just again he worships god and now here comes verse five it says now lot was with them and they had a lot of herds and they had a lot of tents and basically what it says is they were now living in this land in between bethel and ai which you're going to find ai in in the book of joshua they have to go and they have to fight with ai right and then bethel is the house of god so he's right here in the in what we in these places that we know and he's, he's with Lot, and he realizes that the land won't support both of them, so he says to Lot, who shouldn't be there? Right? Lot shouldn't be with him. Lot, you know, our herdsmen are fighting. We need to separate. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. You pick wherever you want to go. And, and he just gives that choice to Lot. Lot looks down, and he sees the, the, the Jordan River Valley and, and the area, uh, where, where now the Dead Sea is and probably wasn't there and he sees that it just looks really good so he goes down there and he settles near Sodom and Gomorrah now at the time we think Sodom and Gomorrah is actually a very fertile a great place to live not anymore in fact it doesn't exist anymore um, the suspected sites of Sodom and Gomorrah are actually like right in the Dead Sea probably um, and so that's where, Sod- where Lot goes and as soon as Lot leaves God shows up and talks to Abraham again It's kind of like, okay, we dealt with that. We shouldn't have had to deal with that, but we dealt with that. Now let's continue on. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered arise walk in the land through its length its width for i give it to you then abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of mamre which were in hebron and built an altar there to the lord this is again this is really really quick so he's been he's been he wasn't at peace with lot there's been a lot of things happening he walked away he comes back but when the lord says listen this is it i'm going to give this land to your descendants look around walk around it's all for you now you have peace with lot basically God saying what do you want to do and so Abram says I want to dwell there and he picks Hebron. Hebron we're going to see throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Hebron still exists today. Um, there is, it is a divided land in between the Jews and the Muslims. In fact, the place that eventually Sarah is buried in a cave, they built a mosque over that place. The Jews have a little bit of access to it. The Muslims have more access to it. But Hebron is still a flourishing place today but he dwelt there and it was the best of the land because if, if you know come on if you're gonna live somewhere you're gonna live in the best of the land and he didn't have to worry about real estate prices right some of you right now if, you, if I said where would you live if you could live anywhere some of you would probably actually say Big Bear but some of you are gonna pick some other other amazing places if you didn't have to worry about the real estate cost not too many of you are gonna say if I could live anywhere I'd live in Barstow Right? I mean, you know, some of you, some of you were exiled to Barstow for a time, and you were able to escape years later. (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. But you're not going to pick, I want to live in Barstow. You're going to pick a beautiful place. And so there is something that would make us believe that in that peace, in that moment that, that Abram, he went and he found this wonderful place in Hebron and and he dwelt there and they keep coming back you're gonna read it throughout the book of Genesis and the story Hebron becomes a a major place for Abraham and all of his descendants um, and again that's where they most of the the patriarchs now are, are buried is there in Hebron that was just kind of a free thing I don't know what we learned about that but I guess if it's if God lets you live anywhere live somewhere nice chapter 14 we're not going to go, go real far into this one, um, but there's a couple of, of really important things we want to hit. Chapter 14. It comes to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariat king of Eliezer, Chedorlaer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations. You guys memorize those names, right? Perfect. Okay. That they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shemeber, king of Zeboiim, and, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. That's where, that's where uh, Lot ends up going, is, is Zoar. All these joined together in the valley of Siddim, that is the Salt Sea. Okay, here's just an extra thing for you. Sometimes when you're reading the places here, what you have to know is, he, is, is Abrams, Abraham's not writing this. Moses is writing this it talks a little in a little while in one of these chapters here What I was reading through it talks about Dan Dan doesn't exist doesn't doesn't exist for quite a while so so um, but but they're talking to the recipients who they now know where Dan is so some of the names at the time might have been different but when they're giving the new name they're giving a name that the people will recognize that's why they said at this time Sodom and Gomorrah hadn't been destroyed and so, so they're like, oh, okay, because they're going Sodom and Gomorrah. I, I've heard about that, but, boy, man, we've seen that place. It's a pretty, pretty nasty place, you know, um, and it's because it wasn't at the time. So see, sometimes you have to remember as you're reading the Bible that it was written later, and so they're referencing names that may not have been uh, named that at the beginning but got a name later. Okay. So, anyways, they come together, there's all these people, and they're warring, and they're fighting, and it's 14-year war. And anyways, this Cheddar Ch- Layermer comes down with his guys, and they attack Sodom and Gomorrah, and they carry a lot of the people off, including Lot. Including Lot. And so they all get carried into captivity, Abraham hears about it, and he has 318 trained men in his household. 318 trained men in his household. That's a good-sized platoon, right? I mean, we, we, I, I, I don't know if Zach knows. How, do you know how many police officers we have up here? Because he's, he's doing the thing. We don't have 318. That's a lot of trained fighters, right? So he gets them, and he goes in, and, and they, they basically they capture Lot, and all of the spoils, they get it all back. They get it all back. And, and there's a couple guys going with, a, uh, with Abram at the time, and we don't know if they brought also some, some people with them, um, Aner and, and some of these other guys. Um, they're also going out to war. It was, was here uh, the only one who'd escaped came and told uh, Abram the Hebrew because they dwelt there in Mamre, the Amorite. Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, and his armed uh, servants went out with him, and it is as far as Dan. He divided his forces, and he gets them all back. And so they're coming back now. Verse 18, chapter 14. We, we hear of the guy, a guy mentioned three times in the Bible, just three times in the Bible, but it's so incredibly important. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. Here's, here's some, some stuff on Melchizedek. Um, his name means... Hebrews tells us that his name means king of righteousness. Melech means king and Zedek means righteousness. So it's, his real name probably was Melech Zedek but that's easier to say Melchizedek. Mel- Melchizedek is the king of righteousness. He's the king of Salem. Salem means peace. Salem is a place. We believe that Salem was the name of Jerusalem before it was Jerusalem. They changed Salem to be Jerusalem probably because of the Jebusites and they well, was one of the guys there, Jeru in Jerusalem. Anyways, so this king, this guy that we don't know much about yet, we don't know anything about yet, he comes out, he's the king of Salem, he's the king of righteousness. Fast forward all the way to Hebrews, and we find out about Melchizedek. Melchizedek, it says that he was, he was uh, without beginning, without end. That he was the priest of, of God Most High. And, and that we find that he was a priest, and we, if we think about it, he was a priest before there were priests. The priesthood doesn't get established until the time of Moses. So what's he a priest of? We have no law. We have nothing organized yet. And here is this man who's the priest of God Most High, the king of righteousness, the king of peace. He comes out to greet Abram. And and we just believe that we just, we know that we believe that he was just a, a man of God himself. And it says, and he blessed him and said blessed be Abram of God Most High possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand and Abraham gave him a tithe of all so this now Melchizedek is so much more important than this one part that's a whole couple of messages when Jesus comes he says that Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek do you remember this is kind of history but this is important Jesus was born and he does a little interaction what tribe does Jesus come from Judah Judah was the tribe of praise the Levites were the tribe of the priests Jesus comes and we know that he's our high priest but he doesn't come from the Levitical line doesn't come from that line he comes from Judah but but in Hebrews we find out that Jesus is in the order of Melchizedek a priest forever a high priest so this is, some believe that this is actually, actually it is a Christophany, that it's Christ himself. Um, we don't really know for sure if this is, uh, um, the, it's not as clear as some other parts. But what we know is that this, this is establishes this whole line, and here's Melchizedek, who, who is receiving now, a tenth of all, and, and just w- simply one of the things, that we're not going to talk long about this just one of the points that we're learning from Abraham's journey, that when he has success, he goes and he always worships and he honors God and he, when he has success, he also gives to the Lord and, and this, isn't the, this isn't the best thing to, to uh, substantiate tithing, but here before tithing was part of the law before tithing was part of the law, we see Abraham giving a tenth of all that he had, to, to to Melchizedek, and so again that just says that we're, we, we some we learn we when God blesses us we give back we give back it's one of the things that we want to learn from the life of Abram, and so so that and that's it and that's that's the the sh- short part of Melchizedek but he plays such a big part we'll cover him some more in another time when we talk more about the connection of Jesus Christ coming through that line of Melchizedek chapter 15 after these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision it says do not be afraid Abram I am your shield your exceedingly great reward but Abram said Lord God what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus then Abram said look you've given me no offspring indeed one born in my house is my heir Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. So says, Then he brought him outside, and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed God, he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him, he credited to him his righteousness. Just a couple things here, and we're going to tie some things up. Lord comes whenever the Lord comes and says do not be afraid there's a reason cuz the person's probably afraid Don't be afraid What was what was Abraham afraid Abram at this point still what, what's he afraid of Well we know he's afraid of dying That's why he made his wife lie He says they're going to they're going to treat me bad they're going to kill me because of you So he has a fear of dying we don't know what else his fear is, but, but he's concerned about, about this promise and about not having descendants after him. He's got a fear, and God comes in and says, do not be afraid. Well, God, God wants to speak to all of us to trust in him. But also we can learn that, that it's okay to, have, to be afraid. That's, that's normal. Abraham was afraid. But be like Abraham and hear when God says, don't be afraid. I've got you covered. We, we can hear the voice of God talking to us in the Word of God. We're over 365 times, or actually exactly, three, uh, 366 is what it is, 366 times in the Bible it says, do not fear. So I, 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 and and, and I, I, one of these, I'm going to go count it, not just take the word of the scholars that have told me that. 366 times, do not be afraid, one for every day of our year, plus leap year. You know what's really <laughs> cool about that? they had different calendar they just had the 360 days anyways don't be afraid but we're going to be afraid when we're afraid what do we want to do let's be like Abraham and listen to the word of the Lord now maybe God will come and tell you don't be afraid and he'll show up in a vision I believe he does speak to us but how else can we hear from him let's go to the word of God and when we're afraid let's get the word of God to give us encouragement about our future See, because one of the things we have in common with Abram, we just don't know what ours is yet, is that God has a plan for you and a purpose for you, and He wants to bring you into your promised land. He wants to deliver you from the people that desire to hurt you and are holding you back, and He wants you to be free and, and inherit the things that God has for you. He wants us to walk into the promised land, and the things that He might call you into can be very scary. The things He calls me into can be very scary. Again, for us, le- leaving this, this country um, it, at the beginning was so easy, and then when we actually were doing it, like, what are we doing? We, we moved to Guatemala, to a land that we didn't know. And there's fear in that, so we take solace in the Lord and say, God, you need to be my strength, my courage. We need to go back and remember, oh, yes, what did, what did Abraham do? He would build an altar to the Lord in praise. He would build an altar to the Lord in prayer. He would go back and revisit the promises of God. We need to be people of prayer. We need to be people um, of praise and worship. We need to go back and listen and revisit the promises that God has for us. We see God leading Abraham from, from trial to trial, journey to journey, throughout, throughout his time. He, he, we find that his promise to delivery abraham never fully realizes but from the time of the promise it says, i'm going to take you into the, the promised land and i'm going to give it to you and your descendants will inherit it he didn't even have a descendant that was worthy of the promise for another 25 years sometimes you know we get this thing from god like i really feel like we're supposed to start a bible study and it's supposed to go really well and a, and a month later when nobody showed up we're like well god just wasn't faithful i'm just gonna quit Well, did God tell you to do it or not? And be faithful and keep pressing in until He shows you. That's why it's important for us to not stamp, God told me on everything. You know, there's a lot of things that we do, not because God tells us, just because it seems the right thing to do. And there's maybe nothing wrong with that, but stop putting God's name on it. You know how, that, how bad that looks when one week you're saying, God told me to start this Bible study. Two weeks later, he says, well, well, I'm not doing the Bible study now, but God told me I was supposed to move here. And then a month later, you don't move. He says well, I, I'm not moving because God told me I need to go get this new job. And, and everyone around you says, man, God doesn't know what he's doing. When God tells you, you, you remain faithful. You say, you know what? It might take a while to see this come to pass. And it's okay, church, it's okay to step out and say, God, I feel like you might be leading me here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move. That's okay. And, and, and if he puts up the wall, if he puts up the thing, it's okay. You don't have to push the door down unless you know it's God. Because sometimes we don't know. We, we just, well, Lord, I, I feel like maybe you're opening this door, and, and we try, and, and maybe it's not. That's okay. That happens. But when you know it's God you keep pressing in and you keep waiting on him until you see it come to pass. We're going to find out some of the things that Abraham does along the journey that, that, doesn't, that doesn't make it easy for him or us. Remember when Abram went down to, to Egypt and I said, I don't know if he was supposed to go there or not. And again, I don't know. Nobody knows. Maybe that was part of God's plan or, or maybe he was just doing it out of fear but he went back, he went down to Egypt and it didn't go well for him. It, it, we know that. It didn't go well because when he got there, he 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 lied. He put his wife in danger, and so he had to leave. But you know what Abram never does again? He never goes back to Egypt. When you have something in your life that, that you mess up in, that happens. When you fall, you go into some sin, you get into drugs, you get whatever your sin might be just m- messing up, you come back as Abraham did. Go back to the house of God, Bethel. Go back to the place of worship. And you cry out to God and you talk to God again. And don't go back to Egypt. So I'm not doing that again. So the problem is sometimes we, we like to go to these places where, where we tend to fall. Maybe it's a physical location. You go to this physical location that every time you, you go there, you end up doing bad things. You come back and you you repent and say god i'm sorry i did the bad things but you go right back to the same location going i'll be stronger this time no that's egypt get out and don't come back whatever that is build an altar to the lord become a person who first worships god and sacrifices be a person that when when things get bad you return to the place of worship, sacrifice, and giving back to the Lord. Go back to the place and cry out to God and be one who would talk to God and do real business with Him. We need to be people who are who are actually willing to admit that we did something wrong. Repent. Be led by God. Follow his commandments clearly. If you've done something though in your life that you went, you know what, I know. I know that I messed that up and there's nothing I can do about it now and I'd say most of us over the age of 20 have made a decision that was pretty big that we messed something up along the way <clears throat> take solace that you did not mess up God's plan that he will take a mistake and he will redeem it if you'll give it to him don't try to turn a mistake into something good. Well, you know, don't justify it. Well, you know, I know maybe it wasn't the best, but, you know, it, the way it all came out, you know, it was kind of God's will because of this and this and this. We start justifying, you know, just say, God, I wasn't supposed to do that. That was never supposed to happen. But I thank you that you forgive me and you redeem me and you will redeem every situation. We entrust we see we we get we get the advantage to be here looking back on on the things past say wow God you are so good you you redeemed all these things because you love us you'll see us through when God calls you tells you to do something sometimes we want to add something to his plan Well, okay God I'll that sounds really good you know, maybe, maybe it's I want you to go and, and, and move somewhere and plant a church, or I want you to go and you do something. You say, God, that sounds really good. I'm gonna take someone with me. Well, did God tell you to take someone with you? See, when God tells us what to do, don't take a lot with you. Okay? Let's pray. God, I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for every person in this room. God, that maybe none of us will have such an impact on the world as Abraham had, but you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. God, and we want to learn from those who've journeyed before us to become a people of worship, who build altars to you to, to remind us of the things that you've done. We want to be a people who return to the place of worship regularly. Even when we fall, we get up and we return. We recommit ourselves to you. We follow you. We want to be people who are, are faithful to you and, and fail forward. Fail towards faith. If we're going to fail at all, we're going to keep running back to you. God, I pray that you would help us each to figure out what our egypt is if there's an egypt in anyone's life this morning god i pray that you would reveal it right now and help them to make the commitment i will not return to egypt no it's done and give them the strength god i pray that we would hear your call we'd hear it clearly we would know your voice and we would we would heed it and follow it god and we would not try to take things with us. We would not try to add to your plan anything, but be faithful to it. God, we we rest in your love, your mercy, and your grace in our lives. And we know that you will continue to lead us on. Help us to hear you. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen.